0: Good morning, River Rock Bible Church. How are you doing this morning? Good. Is everybody awake? Yeah. Excellent. Very good. Well, last week, we started a brand new series on the family called Fixer Upper. And we started by looking at the primary relationship in the family, the, that of the husband and wife, the marriage. And we're going to continue that this morning. We talked a little bit about how important it is that we understand our roles because we said last week that within marriage... It's a lot like a jigsaw puzzle. And we asked the question, which piece of the puzzle is the most important? And we all agreed that every single piece is of the same value, but the most important part of the puzzle is the picture on the box. And for us, as we talk about marriage, we have to understand that as husbands and wives, we are just simply one piece of the puzzle coming together to make a beautiful picture. But the most important part is the picture on the box. And for us, that is God's word that defines for us what our role as a husband is and what our role as a wife is. And so we're going to be diving in the next two weeks, looking at the role of husband and wife. And we're going to start this week by looking at the role of wives. And I've asked my wife to, to share with us this morning because I've never been a wife. I don't think I ever will be a wife. Um, so I can't speak from experience. And so I've asked her to join me this morning as we start by looking at the role of husbands and wives. So thank you, Amanda, for being up here with me this morning. Uh, And guys, I just want to say, even though we're talking about the wives this morning, don't tune out. Don't think that this message is not for you, because as you're going to see next week, this message is just as important for you to understand as it is for her to understand. And by the way, you're going to want to be careful with the amens and the elbows today unless you want to sleep on the couch, all right? So uh, gentlemen, pay attention, stay awake. This is just as important it is for you. And next week, we'll talk about your role. Uh, So as you notice in the bulletin, the title of this morning's message is uh, Remodeling Your Husband by Faith. And so even though we're talking about the husband, remodeling the husband, we're actually going to be speaking to the women. So I'm very excited that Amanda's up here. And let me just say very upfront that we don't have a perfect marriage. Uh, you guys see a little bit of us, but we, just like everybody else, we live a life behind closed doors sometimes, and it's not always perfect. Our kids aren't perfect. Um, so don't, don't be fooled into thinking that we're saying, hey, just do it the way we do it, because we are imperfect Um, We are not perfect people, but we are being perfected in Jesus Christ.
1: All right, ladies, as we talk about remodeling our husband, we have to admit that sometimes the way we go about changing our husband isn't always the best. Now, we may have great intentions in our mind, it might be very innocent, but really it can be very damaging to our husbands. We need to realize that we have great potential to build up our home and make it strong, but we also have great potential to destroy it. Okay, so we're going to begin looking this morning in in the Bible in Proverbs chapter fourteen. Go ahead and open up to Proverbs chapter fourteen, and we're going to begin in verse one. It's also on the screen. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can look on on the screen. Proverbs fourteen, verse one. It says, "Every wise woman builds her house." But a foolish one tears it down with her own hands. Okay, so in Proverbs, the wise person is the person that is skilled at seeking after the things of God. That is skilled at following God. And so it says, the woman that is good at following God's ways builds her house. But a foolish one tears it down. Now, the fool in Proverbs is someone that says, oh, I don't need God. I can go my own way. I know how to do this better. And so the woman that doesn't follow God but goes her own way tears it down with her own hands. And so we're going to look at that a little further today.
0: You might be wondering, okay, so a foolish woman builds her house up, uh, or a foolish woman tears her house down, the wise woman builds her house up. So, ladies, what is it that I'm doing that could be tearing my house down? And what are the things that I should be doing to build my house up? We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3 this morning looking to answer those questions. So we're going to look at some things that ladies often do uh, trying to build their house up, but actually ends up tearing it down. And then we're going to look at some principles from Scripture that are going to help help you ladies understand what is it that I can do to actually help God build my house, to help God transform my husband. So look with me at 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, "...in the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husband so that even if some disobey the Christian message, they may be won over without a message." by the way their wives live, when they observe your pure and reverent lives. The first thing that we see in this passage that doesn't work is that is words. You can't change your husbands with words. They just don't work. Words don't work. In fact, we see that Peter is writing to, to the women, and he says, if some of your husbands disobey the Christian message— Now, there's some people out there that would say, hey, these are men who believe in Jesus. They're just not obeying him. But really, I think it goes a lot further than that. Some translations say that they're disobedient to the gospel. And what does that mean? Well, to be disobedient to the gospel, the gospel says this, that you are a sinner and that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. And that all you need to do is to put your trust in him and your sin is forgiven. And so to be disobedient to that message means that you don't put your trust in that that you're not trusting in that. So he's really writing to women whose husbands are not following Jesus Christ at all. They're not believers. And he says, look, you have the great potential to win your husband to Christ, to persuade your husband to put his faith in Christ. And it's not with your words. It's with your actions. It's important that we understand how powerful a woman can be in her marriage. We see very clearly Peter, and God through Peter here, is saying, ladies, you have incredible potential to transform your husbands, but it's not with your words. I love the way one author says it. He says, the powerful powerful purity of a godly woman's life can soften even the stoniest male heart without a word.
1: All right, to give you an example of the power of words, how many of you have ever had a phone that wasn't working? Okay. About a year ago, I had a phone. It it just wasn't working. It was always turning off when I was trying to make a phone call, dropping calls, freezing, and I was really getting frustrated. And I found myself all the time, "Oh, Charlie, my phone won't work. Why can't you fix it? Please help me. My phone is not working." And so finally, he he came to me and he said, "You know what? Um, will you stop that?" <laughs> he said. I, I know that your phone is not working and it's frustrating. But when you say that, it feels to me like I, I can't provide you with something that's good enough. You know, it kind of hurts me. And I wasn't, I wasn't nagging him. I wasn't saying, "Please, Charlie, will you buy me a new phone?" I wasn't, I wasn't doing that. But I wasn't aware of how my words were affecting him. And ladies, we have to admit that sometimes we do tend to nag or try to control our husbands, with our words. But Scripture talks about that. And so let's go ahead and look up some verses. The first verse is Proverbs 27, 15. Proverbs 27, 15 says, An endless dripping on a rainy day and a nagging wife are alike. Ouch. <laughs> Proverbs 25, 24 says, Better to live on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a nagging wife. And finally, Proverbs 19:13 and I like the way it says it in the New King James version, a foolish I'm sorry, excuse me. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing. So that word clamorous is like the banging together of pots and pans. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever had toddlers and you know, just to get the dinner on the table, you give them pots and pans to bang together. Yeah, you don't want to listen to that all day long. It will drive you crazy. Um, So that's what we do. do. (laughs) That's what it's like when we are constantly, constantly nagging our husbands. Words don't work, but there's something in our sinful nature that just um, makes us want to control our husbands, and oftentimes we use our words for that. But just like that, the man, there's also something in his sinful nature that makes him neglect his responsibilities.
0: Yeah, that's right. Both of these tendencies go all the way back to, and you can see it in Genesis chapter 3 with the fall of Adam and Eve, that man's tendency is to be passive and to neglect his responsibility, and a woman's tendency is to use her words to try to control. And if you look at the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, Adam is right there as the serpent approaches Eve and begins to tempt her, and he doesn't do anything about it. He's passive. He just stands there and he neglects his responsibility to lead her into following God's word. And at the same time, the woman turns around and uses her words to control her husband and convince him to also eat of the fruit. It goes all the way back. And uh, we just have to understand that this is our tendency, men. This is our tendency is to, to neglect our responsibility. And ladies, it's your tendency to want to use your words to control And I think it's interesting, if you follow any communication studies, you'll see that uh, there's a number of studies out there that say women tend to use twice as many words as men. And most women would say, well, that's because we have to tell him everything twice. Uh, But the studies show that women use twice as many words as men on an average day. And I think it's interesting when you look at this passage that God, through Peter and through the power of the Holy Spirit, is communicating to women using their own communication style. Look at what he's written to the ladies. He writes six verses to the ladies. He writes one verse to the men. And it's not because he's got more instruction for the women. No, he gives them one command, and then he gives them an example, and he gives them a story. And this is very in tune with how women tend to communicate with one another. For the men, he says, here's the command, and here's the consequence if you don't obey it. Like, do this or else. Right? And that's how men tend to operate. And so I think it's a beautiful picture of just how in tune God is and how much he cares for you that he would take the time to communicate with you in your own communication style. And what we have to understand, ladies, though, is if you find yourself using words trying to control your husband, the very thing that you're trying to build up is going to be the very thing that you end up destroying. Words simply don't work.
1: So does this sound familiar to any of you? Um, Honey, why don't you turn off the TV? Go outside and play with the kids. Hey, Bob's out there playing with his kids. Or what about this? You're looking on Facebook and you say, Oh, Frank took his wife out to dinner. How sweet. He's so romantic. (laughs) (laughs) We have to realize... (laughs) That comparing our husbands to other men does not inspire them to change. It just leaves them thinking, well, that's great. You should have just gone and married him.
0: Yeah. And guys, what we have to recognize is that when she uses her words, when she begins to talk and we feel like she's nagging, we have to understand that she's not doing this just simply trying to make our lives miserable. It actually comes from a desire uh, because she sees what is good in you. She sees the godly man that you could be. She knows the potential that you have in Jesus Christ to be the leader that God has designed you to be. And so she's not trying to just annoy you with her words. The, the intent is beautiful and wonderful. It's just that the method that she goes about using is flawed. So very clearly, we see that words do not work. The second thing that we see, ladies, is you can't change your husband with beauty. It just won't last. Look with me at chapter 3, verse 3 in First Peter. Your beauty should not consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold ornaments or fine clothes. Instead, it should consist of what is inside the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very valuable in God's eyes. Now, there's a couple things I want to point out here is uh, beauty, it just won't last. And, and it talks about in this passage, the putting on the imperishable things. It says, don't adorn yourself with these things, these outer things. And that word adornment in the original language is actually cosmos, which is where we get our word cosmetics. Now, some people read this passage and they take it way too far. And they're like, well, that means I can't wear makeup. And that means I can't wear jewelry and I can't wear nice clothes. That's not what it says, right? We got to let it say what it says. And it just says, don't let that be the very thing that defines your value that you're looking to to define your value because it simply won't last. And the other thing it talks about is the imperishable qualities of the heart. And as you read about those imperishable qualities of the heart which is of great value in God's eyes, what we learn and what we can take away from that is that the external beauty is perishable that it will fade. That it simply won't last. And so if that's what you're relying on to transform your husband, it's not going to work because that beauty is going to fade. But your inner beauty, a growing relationship with God that is transforming you, will last. And that has powerful potential.
1: Absolutely. <clears throat> All right, ladies, we're going to open up to Proverbs 31. Okay? Everyone open up to Proverbs 31. In Proverbs 31, there is a great description of the ideal woman or the virtuous woman. It begins in verse 10, but we're going to look now at verse 30. So, Proverbs 31:30 30 says, "Charm is deceptive and beauty, beauty is what?" Fleeting. Yes. But a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Okay, ladies, we tend to put greater emphasis on our outward appearance than on our, on our inward beauty that comes out. So I don't know about you. How many of you, um, okay, let, how much time do you spend getting ready in the morning? Okay, think about it. I like. I want you to come up with a number in your mind. Think about how long it takes you to do your hair. Think about how long it takes you to put your makeup on. How long does it take you to get dressed? I mean, if you're anything like me, you go into your closet full of clothes, and you're like, I have nothing to wear. And then you try on something, and you're like, oh, no, that doesn't work. And then take it off, try on something else. How long does that take you in the morning? We all have a routine that we go through to make ourselves presentable to the world. But how much time are we spending on our inner beauty, on reading God's word, on, on things that last and things that matter? And ladies, this is really, really important, especially today as we are bombarded by images of flawless women airbrushed images and then we look in the mirror and we beat ourselves up and you know what our little girls they're watching us they're li- our little girls what are we telling them is important are we telling them this external is important are we showing them with our actions that a woman who fears god who reads his word who follows his command that that is what is valuable to the world
0: And guys, we have to understand a woman's struggle with this, that this is a very real struggle. They see these images day after day of what a woman should look like. And man, I just want to speak to you for a minute and say, you have to be very careful about your source, uh, what you're looking to, to help you define what a woman should look like. And we have to be honest that the billboards, the magazine ads, the the football commercials that come on, and, and even the stuff that you look at on the internet is not helping. That it's not giving you a very realistic picture of what your your wife ought to look like. And it distorts that image and it distracts us from the real beauty that our wife has, which is not only her outer beauty, but her inner beauty. So I want to encourage you men to make an effort to lead your wife, to help her by affirming her outer beauty. Tell her how beautiful she is. Affirm her outer beauty, but at the same time, go overboard and affirm her inner beauty. uh, And help her. Lead her to develop that inner beauty over time. Pursue her. Help her pursue that relationship with Jesus Christ that's going to help her develop that godly character that you read about in Proverbs 31. Men, this is our responsibility, is to help her, encourage her, and help her to build that kind of beauty in her life. So we've seen two things that don't work. We said that words don't work. You can't change your husband with words. They don't work. And you can't change your husband with Beauty, because it won't last. So then, what, what does work? Ladies, what are we to do if we're to have any hope of changing our husbands? And this is the one principle that I hope you'll walk away with today. And it's this, that a changed woman helps God change her husband. A changed woman helps God change her husband. If you're expecting God to work in your husband's life, especially if he is an unbeliever, then you need to let that change start with you. And then and only then can God use you to help affect change in your husband. So what does a changed woman look like? Let's look back at the text, and we're going to pull out some principles real quick of a changed woman and what that looks like. Starting in verse 1 of Peter chapter 3, it says, "...in the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the Christian message, they may be won over without a word, without a message." By the way their wives live, when they observe your pure and reverent lives. The first thing that we see here is that a changed woman is submissive to her husband. A changed woman is submissive to her husband. Now we're going to talk in just a little bit about what that word means, so don't let that make you close your mind and not stay open because when we hear the word submissive it's not what the biblical text means but let me just point out here that submission the idea of submission in this passage is repeated twice you'll see it again when it talks about sarah a woman of faith who is acknowledged for her faith in in the book of hebrews and and throughout scripture it says that she submitted to her husband her beauty came from submitting to him Uh, We also have to understand that in Ephesians chapter 5, a very similar passage to this one, that the command for wives to submit to their husbands is repeated multiple times. Now, when most of us hear this word submission, we think in negative terms. We think it means something that it doesn't really mean. And often people read this passage or the Ephesians 5 passage and they say, See, Christians are oppressive of women. They want to keep women down, but nothing could be further than the truth. You see, we read these passages and we think, oh, the the Christian idea of a woman is the very Victorian idea that she's to be seen and not heard, that she's to sit on the front porch and paint her nails and eat cake and just look pretty. And some, some of you are thinking, well, what's wrong with that? I like to sit on the porch, eat cake, and paint my nails. But that's not what God is saying at all. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, if you were to look back at the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, the ideal woman found in scripture, what you would see as you read through that passage, if you were able to read it in the original language, the terms that are used to describe her in the Hebrew are, are military terms. This is a very strong woman. She is a very strong leader in her household, but she is leading and she is strong in submission to her husband.
1: All right, ladies, I know we hear the word submission and we often think that it means oppression, but it doesn't. We think that it means that we don't have value. That's not what it means. We think that it means that we are weak and that is not what it means. Um, the submission in a biblical sense means to arrange under, okay? It's to voluntarily join his team and be under his leadership. I like to think of it like a football team. And guys, just bear with me. I'm not very football-y. And yes, I just made up that word. Uh, (laughs) But I know enough to know that on a football team, (laughs) you can't just have a bunch of guys running around on the football field with no roles, with no positions. With no jobs. Um, It just doesn't work. It would be pointless. It'd be (laughs) soccer. So our families are like a football team, and our husband, he's like the quarterback. He's the team captain, and you know what? We get to be the star running back, and we get in that huddle, and our husband, the quarterback, says, hey, you run this way, and I'm going to throw the ball to you, and then ladies, you get to run the ball in for a touchdown. How awesome is that? We're on the same team. We're working toward the same goal, and you know what? If we don't have a quarterback, it doesn't work. If we don't have a running back, it doesn't work. If we have two people trying to be the quarterback, it doesn't work. And so really, it's all about getting on his team. It's about our husband. He has strengths and weaknesses, and we, ladies, we have strengths and weaknesses. And God created us in a way that when we come together his way, then we fill in the gaps for each other. And it's awesome when we can come under his leadership and help help him. And in the, um, the Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman, we see what happens when, that, when we do that. If you look at verse 23, it says, her husband is known at the city gates where he sits among the elders of the land. He is respected because his wife has come alongside him and helped to build him up. And that is an awesome thing and a great thing to be a part of, ladies.
0: Let me just continue on with Amanda's quarterback running back illustration. Men, you you understand we've all had that dream of being the star quarterback. and, And we understand that inside the huddle, the quarterback is the one who calls the play. And the quarterback is the one who at the line of scrimmage, he can change the play. But ultimately, the quarterback is running the plays that have already been set out by the head coach in the game plan. The head coach is the one who sets out the game plan and says, hey, these are the plays we're going to run in this situation. And what we've got to understand, men, ladies, what you've got to understand is that your husband is in submission to God. And so by following his leadership, ultimately you're following God's leadership. And men, we can never forget our role is not to make decisions on our own, but to be wise men and to make decisions according to God's word. And I think it's interesting. I know we still often struggle with this idea of submission And I think what's beautiful, again, in this passage is that we see that Peter writes under the direction of the Holy Spirit, and he does something that actually takes women from the place that they were, the position that they were in these days, which was kind of as property. They weren't really valued as much as the men, and he actually elevates them. And he says, look, ladies, in Christ Jesus, you are just as valuable as your husband you don't have the same position, you don't have the same function and role, but you are just as valuable as your husband. And you see this in the fact that Peter addresses the women first. This is something that would have been unheard of in Peter's day. You always spoke to the men first because the men were more important. They needed to hear what they needed to hear so that they could take a nap while, they were, while someone was talking to the women. But Peter, through the direction of God, says no women have just as much value as the men. Women are just as valuable as men. They have a different role, they have a different function, but they are just as valuable in God's sight. I think that's a beautiful thing that when we look at this passage, it doesn't immediately jump out to us, but I've said it before and I'll continue to say it that there is a structure within the family and God has called the husband to be the leader and the wife to be submissive, but let me continue to say this. Structure... Does not indicate value. Structure does not indicate value. That the husband and wife are equally as valuable uh, in God's eyes. And th- the way I think of it sometimes is being in traffic. And we've all been in traffic and we know what it's like to try to get uh, over one lane when you need to merge in the middle of traffic. Ultimately, what has to happen is that one car, one driver has to submit to the other one to let them in. Otherwise, it's a terrible mess and there's going to be an accident, and people are going to get hurt. So, wives, ladies, a changed woman is submissive to her husband. The second thing we see is that a changed woman is respectful in her conduct. It says this, it says uh, that, speaking of the unbelieving husband, it says that they may be won over without a message, without words, by the way their wives live when they observe your pure and reverent lives. Now, that word reverent there doesn't simply mean piety. It's not the idea that you're sitting around just praying all day, you know, you've got the Christian radio on, you've got your Bible open, and you do nothing but pray all day. That's not what it means. It's, it's really talking about the way that you interact with your husband is, is respectful, that you would be respectful to him. And you kind of see this later when it talks about Sarah, and it says this of Sarah. It says, In the past, the holy women put, who put their hope in God... Uh, Also, beautified themselves in this way, submitting to their own husband, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, when it says that she called him Lord, it's not this idea that she's worshiping him as God, and it's not this idea that she's going around kissing his feet and bowing at his feet or anything. But what it what it's communicating here is that when Abraham said, "Hey, Sarah, uh, there's this God that I don't know who's called me to leave and to go to a place," oh well, where are we going? Well, he didn't tell me. He just said, we're going. Okay. Oh, and by the way, he said, you're going to give birth to a whole nation and that our descendants are going to be as numerous as the seashores. And what we see is that Sarah acknowledges that God is speaking to and through Abraham, and she follows his leadership. She's respectful in the way that she interacts with her husband.
1: All right. Did you hear that, ladies? Um, A man's primary need is respect. So our primary need, ladies, is to feel loved. We We need to feel that we are loved by our husband, but our husbands need to feel respected. And I know what a lot of you are thinking, but you don't know what it's like living with him. He doesn't do anything to deserve my respect. But listen, it's not a suggestion. It is a command, just like the men are commanded to love their wives unconditionally, even though we have to admit sometimes we do things that are not deserving of that love. So how do we show respect to our husbands? I have a list. All right. Six things, six ways to show respect to your husband. Number one, appreciate his desire to work and achieve. Okay? So just say thank you. Thank you for all your hard work. It really goes a long way. Number two, appreciate his desire to protect and provide. Just let him know. Thank you. I feel safe with you. Thank you for for providing for us. Number three, appreciate his desire to be strong and lead. So you know what? Let him make some decisions, okay? When there's an issue... Ask him. Ask him what he thinks we should do, and then you know what? Be quiet. Okay? Don't give your two cents. Just listen. Um, Appreciate his desire to analyze and counsel. So, ladies, I know we like to, to... talk and sometimes we just want to vent and we don't want someone to give us a solution to their, our problems but your husbands they just want to fix things so if you're just needing to vent it's okay just let him know okay that you okay just i just need you to listen to me for a minute number five appreciate his desire for shoulder to shoulder friendship So ladies, we get together, and we want to talk, and we want to know everything that's going on in your life, but men, they don't do that. They relate by doing stuff next to each other, and sometimes they just don't talk at all.
0: So let me share a story about that. When I was a youth pastor up in the Dallas area, I was helping one of the dads uh, do some woodworking projects for a play that his daughter was in, so went over to his house We agreed on what the project was going to be and who was going to do what parts of the project, and there's saws going and and power, ah, 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 right? You know, more power, right? It was was great, and we're just out there, and we get to work. After we had our jobs, we just get to work. And three hours go by, and we start cleaning up, and I'm saying, hey, Roger, thanks for having me over. It was a lot of fun. And he said, hold hold on a second. He said, I'm going to go inside, and Mary, his wife, is going to ask me how you're doing and how Amanda's doing, and how the kids are doing. And I don't know. So I'm asking, how are you doing? Good. How's Amanda doing? Good. How are the kids? Good. All right, see you later. And that was it. That was the extent of our conversation in three hours, but we were closer after those three hours than we were before. We just tend to relate shoulder to shoulder.
1: Absolutely. So find something that your husband likes to do, and join him in it. And don't talk. Appreciate his desire for physical intimacy. So please don't neglect his physical needs.
0: So the two things we've seen so far is that a changed woman is submissive to her husband and a changed woman is respectful in her conduct. The next thing we're going to see is that a changed woman is quiet and gentle in her approach. She is gentle and quiet in her approach. Look with me at verse 4. Verse 3, he's talked about, don't rely on your outer beauty. And then he says, instead, your beauty should consist of what is inside, the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. Now when it uses this word gentle, what it means is humble, that you are unassuming, that you don't assume that your needs are more important than his, that you don't assume that you are more important in the relationship than he is, that you're not some princess that just needs to be catered to. And when it says the word quiet, this doesn't mean that you can't speak. The word quiet actually means without turmoil. And so it means when you face something difficult as a family, that you would be the calm in the storm rather than the thing stirring the pot.
1: All right. So a lot of times when women um, are talking about a gentle and quiet spirit, a lot of times they say, oh, but I'm just... just extroverted and outspoken and loud. Well, you know what? It's okay. God made you that way. And it's not talking about your personality. God made us all different personalities, and that is a great thing. So what he's talking about is um, being, being gentle and quiet, um, about not being anxious. So so when things happen, are you really anxious? Do you worry? Does it, does it show? Or do you have the quiet confidence that God is in control. So, and it's you know you hear someone talking about something, and you think they're talking about you, and you automatically get all riled up. Oh no, they didn't, and <laughs> and you take offense easily. That is not a gentle and quiet spirit. A gentle and quiet spirit assumes the best and goes to the person and love and, and humbly and, and doesn't get offended so easily.
0: The last thing we're going to see is that a changed woman is spiritually focused. Look with me at 1 Peter 3, 5 through 6. It says, In the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also beautified themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You have become her children when you do what is good and are not frightened by anything alarming. This passage says that when you do what is right... You become children of Sarah, a woman who is commended for her faith, a woman who is commended for her life in the way that she honored and obeyed God. And, and here's what it means. Uh, at the end, it says that uh, when you are not frightened by anything alarming, and what that she puts her trust in him, she trusts in God's timing. She trusts in God's way. She understands that God is the only one who can truly change her husband. And she understands that before God can change her husband— She must allow God to change her.
1: Okay, so instead of getting frazzled when there's a medical emergency or a financial emergency or um, your car breaks down or your husband says, Hey, come on, speak in front of the whole church with me. I have been praying for a gentle and a quiet spirit this week. (laughs) Being spiritually focused means we can say everything is going to be okay. God will provide for us. In the end of this passage in 1 Peter, it talks about the spiritually focused woman is not frightened by anything anything. Sarah was not frightened when God called Abraham to leave or that when he told her that she would be the mother of a nation. She was able to follow and trust God. And let's be honest, that is really hard. Sometimes it's really hard to trust God and and, and be gentle and quiet. It's really hard to trust your husband's leadership, but we have got to do it. And when we do that, it is so amazing to see what God will do that we could really build up our families. Um, we must remain focused on God and trust in him. It is scary, but believe me, if we are to have any hope of our husbands being remodeled, our change has to start with us first.
0: Absolutely. So as we prepare to take two, uh, men, I want to challenge you with this. I want to challenge you with this. How are you doing at leading your wife to be a changed woman? Are you taking leadership in your household and encouraging her to focus on her inner beauty? Are you encouraging her uh, in the way that you talk to her and building her up? I just want, want you to think about that. And uh, I'd like us to close a little bit here with Proverbs fourteen one. It says, every wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one tears it down with her own hands. And Amanda's already explained that in Proverbs, the wise person is the one who goes about doing things God's way, and the foolish one who is the one who goes about doing things in their own way. And ladies, let me tell you that trying to change your husband with your words doesn't work. And trying to change your husband with your beauty doesn't work because it won't last. And the reason these things don't work is because... Those two things, your words and your beauty, when you try to change your husband in those ways, you're relying on your own power. And it simply will not work. What works is when you rely on the power of God. When you rely on the power of God to help you submit to your husband. When you rely on the power of God to help you be respectful of your husband. When you rely on the power of God to give you that gentle and quiet spirit. And you become spiritually focused on him. How many of us here... Would, would say, you know what, I've tried things my own way. I've been the fool. I think it's time that I try things God's way. So ladies, as we take two, I want to encourage you to think through which of these four things of of the, the changed woman is the one that I need to work on most this week. Which is the one that I could spend some time on and, and do better at following God's plan for the family this week. Because ultimately we have to understand, ladies, that... Uh, It's not until you become a changed woman that God can use you to help him change your husband. Let's take two.